Blog Talk Radio. Saturday morning. Looking forward to the big game and looking forward to talking about it right now. Right now, we are here live. First thing I want to say is everybody go to DallasCowboys.com and watch the Finish the Fight Divisional Round video. It's about a minute and 15 seconds, and I will post it in a little while on the Madden Boys page and on the Madden Boys Twitter, um, and actually on my own personal Facebook page. I'll post it there as well. I'm going to post it everywhere because it's, it's, it's a very – it gets you going. And, and if you really want to get ants for this game, if you really want to get ants, Google Michael Irvin's speech. There's a couple of them. Watch them all. Even though some are game-specific, it don't matter. That guy, like, you can see the impact he must have had 
three Super Bowls on the sidelines with his, and you can see it now. Here it is 15, 20, well, we talk 20 years, 25 years, 23 years later. How can I forget that? Because they don't, they don't ever let us forget how long it's been since we won a Super Bowl. But you watch hmm. him on TV, hmm. NFL Network, first take, any of the shows he's on, he's still firing hell, firing brimstone. Um, uh, so check out the video. This is it. We are here today. JB, I want to jump right in and ask you a question. I want you – now, we didn't prep for this. This is just me and JB. This is like – I call this like – I think from now on when we do these shows, I'm going to call it the barbershop edition. I think that's what I'm going to call it because this is just like two brothers sitting in the chair, sitting on the side. One's getting his cut. One's waiting to get his cut, and we talk of football. That's really what this is right here. No prep, no script. This ain't first take where you got a script. This ain't undisputed where you got a script. This is the Madden boys. We're coming at you correct, okay? JB, I'm going to ask you a question. We have been disappointed time and time and time again over the last 23 years. We have been disappointed, whether it was three years in a row, eight and eight, whether it was the great Bill Parcells not being able to deliver a championship, the great Bill Parcells. You know, whether it was the catch with that, I mean, I'm sorry, with um, Dez and, and Tony Romo, you know, whether it was two years ago where they had a bye week and clearly came into the to Packers game rusty and fell down 21-3 and fought back and only to lose a last-second field goal to Mason Crosby and, and the Packers in the divisional round two years ago. JB, with all of the – and there's others. I'm just, I'm just touching the highlights. JB, let's just assume we've got we've got the entire Cowboy Nation listening, and I don't know that we do or don't. What can you say? What hope can you give us? Okay, that tonight is going to be a different outcome. Well, listen here. It's funny that you mentioned two years ago and being the number one seed and getting knocked out. Even though the Rams aren't the number one seed, who says that history can't repeat itself? Who says that the Cowboys can't go into L.A. and take down the Rams? Who says that Gurley and and Goff and and the madman himself, McVay, which is everybody's trying to mimic and get the next McVay, who's to say that the Cowboys can't do it? I'm saying they can. I'm saying that they have the, the ability on defense to shut them down. I'm saying they have enough weapons on offense, especially with Amari Cooper now. And, and the more time he spent with, with Dak, the more comfortable they're getting. Dak even said himself, Amari's starting to talk some more. It means he's starting to get more comfortable. He's starting to see more things. You've got a healthy Ezekiel Elliott who looks spectacular last week. So they have all the capability to do it, and I expect him to do it tonight. Okay. Okay. Um uh, looks like we're going to be – I'm just um, – I'm catching up on things as we do the show. Adam Schefter is reporting that Cole Beasley and Blake Jarwin, who both neither practice all week but will be active tonight, um, I think both of them are dealing with some level of ankle issue. I think we're going to be pretty much at full strength of all our relevant players other than David Irving. And at this point, uh, you know, I know the Cowboys have a history of sticking with players and – you know, giving them chance after chance. But the, the guy's a phenom, but, you know, Superman can't save the bus falling off the bridge if he's not there, even though he's got all the powers in the world. If he's not there, that bus goes into the river and the kids on the bus die, right? Okay. And Superman, you know, back home, 
banging out Lois Lane ain't helping those kids on the bus that fall into the river, right? So David Irving is a bad boy. We've seen him when he plays, man. He's 6'7", defensive tackle, you know, quick, strong. But, you know, you've had an ankle for how long? Like, I get high ankles yeah. take a while to heal, but really, dude? Really? Eh, I'm, I'm done with you, bro. Well, we, we know it's more than just the ankle with him. Yeah, we know it's more than an ankle with him. And I and I hate to quote I hate to quote Stephen A. Smith because I don't really think he's very quotable. But I'll I'll quote this one this one expression: "Stay off the weed." You know what I'm saying? We we know what it is with David Irving. Um, yeah. So we're going into L.A. We know that it's been well publicized that because the Cowboys off season is in Southern California and has been very variety of spots in Southern California for most of the franchise's history, and the fact that that area was without a professional team for a while. Now they have two, but for a while, you know, they can't seem to get a team that sticks, right? They come, they go, they come, they go, they come, they go. Um, So we know that the fan base over the years has kind of latched on to the Cowboys. So we're hearing that, you know, like 60% of the ticket sales have really been the Cowboys fans. I don't know how you judge that. I don't know how you judge you know, if I'm buying, uh, I live in Connecticut, and if I go to Foxborough tomorrow, which I'm not, um, but if I go to Foxborough and buy a, a game for the Chargers Patriots, how do you know? How do you know I'm what fan? I'm neither fan, so how do you know? But the word is that 50 to 60 percent of the stadium is going to be Cowboys fans. Okay, um, Jake, you think? Do you think that helps us? Do you think that that gives us a false sense of security, or do you think that that really doesn't even matter? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. We're talking playoffs now. We're talking getting prepared for your opponent. It doesn't matter where it's going to be. I mean, you think about it. You make it to the Super Bowl, it's going to be at a, a neutral site anyway. So I don't think all that matters. I think they have the agenda. They know what they need to do. It's about executing and go ahead and doing it. They've been on the road before having to play games and win, and granted they're 3-5 and five during the regular season, but this is the postseason. This is different. And as a matter of fact, sometimes being on the road actually helps, even if it is a, a, a location where it's heavily against you. Then it's all 53 men bond together, coaching staff included. So I don't think it really matters in this case. Okay. So give me your key cowboy, if you had to pick one, that needs to play well to win, like most important, and then give me your sleeper that needs to step up. Who's your who's your unsung hero that needs to step up in this game? So who's your key player? Like this guy needs to step up and 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 play well and be a superstar. And then who's the guy that might be under the radar, but this is his time to shine. All right, that's a good question. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start um, with the uh, the first one that the. The main player, the key player, I think is going to have to be um, Van Der Esch. I think he's going to have to continue to play at the level he's been playing. He can run side to side. I mean, you, could, you can alternate between him and Smith. But those two folks, I just go to Van Der Esch uh, because he's been uh, consistent. He's a rookie. He's not used to the limelight that he's getting now, especially out of Boise State, not the most heralded uh, university out there. But he needs to just keep, keep playing at the high level that he's playing, use his speed, use his quickness, use his toughness, so that these receivers, these backs that the Rams have, especially Gurley, of course, he can get to the ball carrier, 
tackle them as soon as he sees them and, and prevent them getting yards after contact. Uh, as far as the sleeper goes, I don't even know if it's so much a sleeper, but I'm going to go with, um, with, with Jarwin. I think that game that he had against the Giants where he had three touchdowns, maybe that was his breakout game. Uh, and he, he provides another weapon besides Cooper, besides Beasley, besides Zeke that uh, that Dak can rely on. So I'm going to take him out of my sleeper today. I, I'm going to go with Dak as the guy who needs to play out of his mind um, because I just think that I don't know what they're going to do on defense, but they've been hearing all week how they suck against the run. And I almost wish people would just shut up about that because it's like you're putting the challenge out there to them to stop Zeke. Because we've heard all week, they're 22nd against the run. They're 22nd against the run. You got to run Zeke. You got to run Zeke. Like, we've heard it all week. We know it. The Cowboys know it. The Rams know it. So if you don't think that Donald and Sue and the boys ain't going to be amped to stop Zeke, you're, you're delusional. Okay? So they're going to load the box to stop Zeke. They're going to say, Zeke isn't going to beat us. So, Jack, you need to beat us. Then they got Peters, and they got to leave back now. Um, Cornerbacks. Uh, uh, so to me, Dak is going to be the key. Read option, knowing when to run, and fitting that ball in the tight windows and making plays. He's the guy that's going to dictate whether we can win this game or not. We need those 15 play, 75 yard drives. We cannot. I mean, we had one 40 point game this week, great. We had a big shootout against the Giants in a meaningless game, which to me was more like a seven on seven practice because. Both teams knew the game didn't matter, although, give Cowboys credit, they played like they were playing for something, and I, and I respect that and appreciate Garrett's decision to play everybody. And if we do go all the way, go back to week 17, and you can, you can say that was what propelled us. But that said, this team doesn't score 30 points a game. The Rams do. So we've got to keep them off the field, and we've got to have long, sustainable drives, and it's going to be Dak. Dak, to me, even more than – of course, we want Zeke to run for 130 yards. Of course we do. And, and they're going to make every effort to give him the running room to make that happen. But if they do clamp down on him and make it difficult, Dak's got to be the one with his legs, with his, with his audibles on the line. He sees this stack in the box, and he can, you know, do a one-on-one. The old Tony Romo thumbs up. I see you one-on-one out there, Amari Cooper. I see you one-on-one out there, Michael Gallup. Um, you know, he's got he's to be that guy. And speaking of Michael Gallup, he's my sleeper. Gallup has not had a big game. He's had good plays where he's made big plays, but we haven't had the Amari Cooper game from Gallup yet. Get it? He's a rookie. I get it. But I think, you know, when we're talking about Tlaib, Tlaib's very physical. We know what Tlaib can do if he's healthy. Uh, Marcus Peters ain't bad either. He, he can be had. Both of these guys can be had because they're physical and, and they can be beat. Once you get off the line and the way Cooper runs routes, he can, he can have them, but we need another guy to step up. Hearns is gone. Pray for him. Full recovery is what they're predicting. That's great. We'll see you next season. Um, you know, Terrence Williams has been gone on injury reserve. Um, Austin hasn't shown to be much of a receiving threat. And we may need him to spell Cole Beasley in the slot because we don't know how long that ankle is going to hold out. So I think the guy that's gotten, you know, you mentioned Jarwin, and I agree with Jarwin, but Jarwin's had one big game. So I don't know that I agree with you, um, but I think the guy that I, I think has a, that really needs 
to relieve some pressure is going to be Gallup because then they're going to realize they got to pay attention to him. So maybe they can't stack the box. We got Cooper shut down, but now Gallup starts making plays. So he's my sleeper. He's my keep an eye on him this game. I think he's he's poised to be the Juju Smith, if I if, if you will, on this team. He's poised to be that guy that quietly you look over and all of a sudden he's got seven catches, 99 yards, and a touchdown, and it's the third quarter, you know, and we're up 24-20 or some shit like that. Like, he's poised to be a main cog in that wheel. So I would say, everyone, keep an eye on uh, on Gallup. Um, let's talk about coaching. And I want your honest opinion, as, as I know you will give me. What are, you, what are your thoughts on the coaching matchup head coaching matchup between the Wonder Boys, Sean McVay, and Jason Garrett. Hmm. You know, and I'm not even sure if it's really going to be a matchup between those two just because the way I'm looking at it, McVay is obviously not just the head coach, but he's also the uh, offensive play caller too. Uh, you look at Garrett, and, and I don't know if he's going to have his hands in play calling or not. So, um Experience-wise, obviously. Well, let me, let me, let me, let me just say this, though. Let me just be clear. I don't just mean during the game. I mean the whole week, prep, everything. I mean the entire head coach versus head coach. The whole week, yeah, and that, including the game. The entire head, head coach to head coach. My team against your team, mano y mano, that matchup. Well, and that's where I was going. I was about to say that Gary has the experience. He's been doing it for, what, eight, nine, ten years, however long he's been the head coach of the Cowboys. I think he's eight now. Uh, and actually, they're talking about working on extension for him. I don't know if you saw that or not. I just saw that pop up about five minutes ago. Um, he's got the experience. He's He's been here before. Uh, McVay has only been here as his second time, second year. So experience, it matters in the NFL. So if I had to give a nod to anybody, it would have to go to Garrett in this case just because he's been doing it for a while. I watch the NFL hires, and, you know, on an upcoming edition of the Mad Boys, we won't get into those Arizona Cardinals. Trust me, it's coming. It's coming. Um, but mm-hmm. I watch the NFL hires, and it seems that everybody is looking for the next 40-year-old wonder boy. They're looking for the new, the next guy that can come in and be Sean McVay. And it, at the same time, I'm listening to virtually every show out there, um, and all the coverage is negative on Jason Garrett. He's the peach coach clapper. Um, he doesn't motivate the team. Um, he's Jerry Jones' puppet, blah, 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 blah. Um, you know, and, and the problem with that press and the reason I talk about it is because weak-minded Cowboy fans actually believe that shit. Weak, feeble-minded, cheap actually believe that shit. You know, people that don't really follow the team but want to wear their blue. And I've got some argument on one of the Cowboy forums, plenty of them on Facebook, and I'm, on a, I'm not on many of them because I get disgusted with fans that don't understand football. Um, one of the forums I saw a guy said he was a fan. He's been a fan for 68 years. Um, Cowboy's been in existence um, 59 years. 1960. So how can you, mm-hmm. Right. So how can you have been a fan? I think he was trying to say my entire life, but he's an idiot. But anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, he's an idiot. But I, I get disgusted with saying – I got an argument with one guy saying, and he was talking Cowboy stuff, and it was a Romo argument back when Romo was a coach. And, I mean, head, uh, quarterback. And he was like, Romo sucks, Romo mm-hmm. sucks. I'm like, no, actually, Romo doesn't suck. Romo's actually very good. Um, you know, the same thing that 
that you're criticizing what makes Romo great. He's a risk taker. He's like the, he's like Brett Favre, just not quite as good as Brett Favre, um, but he's he cut from that same cloth. And unfortunately, there's been times where his his wrist failed him, but that he's got that winner killer instinct. He wants to win the game, and he'll do whatever he can. We saw him in San Francisco with a punctured lung come back and lead the team. You know, I mean, so, I mean, I can go on and on about Roma, but my point was, you know, I was talking about, and the guy, and I, and, and he responded with some stupid shit, and I said, I said, stop, stop listening to ESPN, <laughs> stop listening to Fox Sports, and actually watch the games with your own eyes. And he's like, uh, something to the effect of, oh no, I, I watch all the games. I'm a real Cowboy fan, and then he shows me his Cowboy tattoo on his forearm, like, like a picture of it. And I don't know if it was really his tattoo, but I don't care. Look. Will I have on my Prescott jersey tonight? Absolutely, because I got it for Christmas, and the Cowboys are 2-0 and since Christmas, okay? And I've worn the jersey both games, and I'm very superstitious when it comes to football. So you damn skippy, I'm going to wear my Dak jersey. But where am I wearing it? In my living room. Because I don't have anything to prove to the world. Do I have Cowboy gear? Yes. Do I have Cowboy paraphernalia? Did I take my Cowboy blanket and hang it over my door to get myself hyped? Absolutely. But that doesn't make you a fan. I was talking to a guy last night, and I'll, I'll get to the Jason Garrett thing in a minute, but I'm talking to a guy last night about the Cowboys, and he's a Patriots fan, of course, because everybody up here is a Patriots fan because they win, so you go with the winning team, right? So I'm going to be a Patriots fan. And he's like, um, yeah, we're going to the Super Bowl, blah, blah, blah. And I said, yeah, you think so, huh? I said, so how, how big of a fan are you really? And he goes, oh, man, that's my team. I said, yeah. I said, who's your left tackle? He said, what? I said, you're starting left tackle. Now, I don't know who their starting left tackle is, but I don't need to know, okay? But if you're a fan of a team and you have a right-handed quarterback, you should know who your starting left tackle is. Mm-hmm. Maybe who's the Dallas Cowboys starting left tackle? That would be an old-fashioned Mr. Smith. Tyron Thank Smith, you. it's the nasty. Thank you. Six-time Pro Bowl. But my point is, you should know if you have a right-handed quarterback, as Brady is, Who's got Brady's back? That guy is critical. So you should know. I know it used to be Cam Fleming. Now he's on Dallas. So I know it used to be Fleming. I don't know who it is now. But the point is, don't tell me you're a fan of a team and you can't name your left tackle and you've got the greatest quarterback to ever play the game. Don't tell me you're a fan of a team and the only people you know on the team is Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski and Bill Belichick because they don't want to get all the glitz. You don't know the running back, Michelle. You know, you don't know Edelman. Well, a lot of people know Edelman. But, you know, my point is, if you're a fan of a team, I want to hear you bloviate about the superstars and how we're going to the Super Bowl because, because you're a fan. Talk football with me. Talk X's and O's. Talk matchups. You know, say to me, hey, man, Rams, man, you know, I think Todd Gurley's a better back than Ezekiel Elliott, and he's been off for a month. And he's going to come in this game fresh. I think he's going to be a load for you guys. Remember what the Colts did to you with their running game. Um, I don't know that you guys can stop it. It's going to be a long day. Okay, now you got my attention. Okay, now I see that you watch football. Now I see you pay attention and actually watch the games. Now we can have an intelligent conversation. I may even agree with you. I may even come back at you and say, yeah, you're right, man. It's going to be a long night because, girl, it's the truth, you know. And you're right. We got gassed. In Indianapolis, which was our last, well, we, we, 
we we did play. Um, what was the Giant game? Was that home or away? That was away, right? Yeah, we played in New York. <laughs> yeah, but Giant game was on the road. Our, yep. Our last loss was in Indianapolis, and they gashed us on the run. Got it. You're right. Like it's a valid point. My point in in that long soliloquy was. People watch too much TV and don't watch the games themselves and don't read. You know, do you listen to 105.3, the fan in Dallas? Do you go to the Dallas Cowboy website and listen to the reporters that report on the team that are actually with the team? Because they're honest. They're going to tell you the truth. Because Jerry Jones has said to them, I don't want you sugarcoating this. And if you think Jason Derrick should be fired, say it. If you have a problem with a player, our broadcasting, to be honest, I don't want you to be Cowboy lovers. I want you to be real. So all the reporters that work for the Cowboys, they call it like they see it. I was shocked that all of them picked Dallas to win this game. There's a guy down there, Brian Broaddus, who never picks Dallas. Never. Matter of fact, when Dallas wins, he says, you guys got a nice win. He doesn't even consider himself part of Dallas, even though he was a scout for the Cowboys many moons ago under Jerry Jones. Then he went to the Packers, whatever, whatever. So with all of that said, Jason Garrett is, is – is not a puppet. He does have to listen to the general manager and owner, Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones is the GM. And as a GM, he's put together many, many great teams over the years. And you're right. Jerry has fallen short on the coaching side. But this year I've seen, I've seen a difference. I've seen him more aggressive. I've seen him put the game in his superstar's hands and say, you need to deliver Zeke, you need to run the ball and get us yards. It's fourth and one. We're at the 40-yard line, our 40, and I trust you in that offensive line first down. Jack, you need to deliver. So I think Garrett has an edge, not only experience coaching, length of time coaching. Guys, he did play. He, he did play for Jimmy Johnson. You know, like he worked with Jimmy Johnson. What better experience, playoff experience, can you have being a backup to Troy Aikman in, 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 back in the 90s? So this right here, he's got it. So coaching shouldn't be an issue. I'm going to tell you, so I agree with you. I think people give I, – I think McVay gets a big spotlight because Fisher did Jericho no, no favors that first year. And then McVay comes in, and, and it looks like – McVeigh puts a system together that makes Goff look like a superstar. So now McVeigh's wonder boy. Well, look at Goff over the last month. It hasn't been all that exciting. So let's see. Um, Jay, now that I've, 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 you know, now we can go off the air because I've pretty much talked the entire show. Um, what is the <laughs> one thing? <laughs> what is the one thing you're most? What is your biggest fear in this game? What is the one thing that has you worried, like, damn, man, what are we going to do about that? What's the one thing that you're afraid of in this game? I think I know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Uh, wow. I mean, there's a lot of things that worry me, but I think the one thing that would worry me is, is golf getting off to a hot start. And, and, and I don't mean just by stats. I don't mean completing his first six passes and he's got 100 yards. I'm not talking that. I'm talking – the look that he had when he was facing the Bears, and he looked like he was about to just shit the bed when he was facing the Bears. If he has the exact opposite look and he's, he's looking comfortable and he's looking fluid, even if he's 
even if some passes get tipped, even if there's some incompletions, I'm worried about that because once he gets on track and the offense gets rolling, that's a pretty hard offense to stop. So that's the one thing that I'm probably most worried about. That's a good one. I didn't think you were going to say that one, but that's a good one. Um, I, there's a lot I'm worried about. Yeah, you're right, Jelly. Well, Jelly was a good one. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> oh, you like Jelly? Well, that's a good one. Um, um, I'm worried about a lot of things. I'm worried about Gurley. I'm worried about, you know, their passing game. There's a lot of things I'm worried about. But you know what? I'm going to surprise you with the thing I'm worried about more than anything else. I am worried about our kicker. After what I saw last week yeah. with Cody Parker, and, okay, the kick was deflected, but Parker has not had a good year, okay? Like, he, he has a pattern of hitting the crossbar, like, I think 11 times this year or some shit like that. Um, and our kicker has not had a great year. Um, you know, like, yeah, I feel almost feel better if he kicks it from 60 than from 40. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm worried about becomes a close game and he misses his first field goal, and we're getting into the third and first fourth quarter, what decisions are we going to have to make if we don't feel comfortable? If Garrett realizes, okay, the guy goes out and he kicks his first field goal and misses, now that's three points we've left, and we can't afford to leave any points on the field. How does that affect our game plan moving forward? How does that affect us going for extra points? How does that affect us, you know, uh, field position-wise, fourth downs, you know, um, you know, I, I'm worried, and, and clearly, if it gets late in the game and we need him to make a kick that could give us the lead or win the game, I don't have any confidence in him. We were, we were really spoiled for years by Dan Bailey. I mean, he was as automatic as we've ever seen based on his stats for, for a, a, a significant period of time. Once he hit the minimum kicks mm-hmm. required, he was the most accurate kicker in NFL history. And we were spoiled because – Game on the line, here comes Dan Bailey, you know, hold my beer. You know, it, it was it, yeah. done. Now, game on the line, here comes Brett Muddy Marr. And now you should at the end and take that and all the rules they've changed, moving every point back, narrowing the goalposts. Now you sit and it's like, oh, boy, you're going to make it or not. So I am very worried that this game could come down to a field goal or, or field goals and, you know, we could be in trouble. And so I guess to follow that up, when we get in the red zone, we need touchdowns and not field goals. We need touchdowns. Yeah. You know, we can't go in this game and trade touchdowns for field goals. They go down, score seven, we come back, score three. They go down, score seven, we go and score three. Now it's 14-6. We, we can't afford that. We've got to get touchdowns. And the Cowboys' offense has to be aggressive. You get in that red zone. Okay, uh, uh, Scott Lenahan, you know, Jason Garrett, former quarterback and offensive coordinator for many years, mm-hmm. what you guys got. What are you going to do differently that they're not going to see coming? Philly, Philly, what about Dallas, Dallas? I'm not saying do that play, but what's our special red zone play that we can pull out and use once that, they never, that they're never going to see coming? I'm worried. I'm worried about the kicker. Um. No, I, I agree with that. I agree with that because, like I said before, especially in playoff time, you need all three facets. You need offense, defense, and special teams is often forgotten. But ask the Bears how special special teams can be, and you'll, you'll get the picture. Right, right. Um, so the word 
the last word I heard was, and, and this isn't gospel, I, at some point today we'll know officially who's starting at uh, left guard, but it appeared that Connor Williams, um, their second-round draft pick, would be getting the start. Now, for those of you who are true fans, you know that he was the starter, then he got hurt, and then they brought in Suofilo, and Suofilo being bigger and stronger actually really played well. And so when Williams was back, he kind of kind of stayed and was like the backup and came in when needed. But um, Suofilo kind of got the starting job, and he got hurt. <laughs> and Williams, so they, they, they kind of been in and out with injuries. And now Suofilo um, uh, didn't play last week. And, you know, from what I heard, uh, you know, he got scout team reps and Williams got starting reps. And, you know, when, when they grade linemen, Williams played pretty well. But, see, this week they're going up against Sue and, and, and um, Darnold. And those guys are big and strong. And I kind of like Suofilo's size and strength going up against them. He did a good job in the first game against Fletcher Cox. Fletcher Cox's name didn't get called all game. And it was Suofilo that kept him at bay. So I'm kind of thinking, let's put him in. But it looks like Connor Williams is going to get the start. Do you have any thoughts on – and Suofilo may not even dress. Last I heard as of, like, yesterday morning, he could be inactive um, because, you know, they're trying to figure out where do we need to go long with Hearns being out and, you know, where do we need to go long as far as backups go. And Suofilo may not even dress. But I don't that, – that was just scuttlebutt from yesterday morning. Do you have a position on which one of the two? I myself would rather see Suofilo just because of his size and strength, even though he yeah, has the higher pedigree. What do you think? No, I, I agree with you. I actually saw some next-gen stats last night about um, Williams is actually a little bit better overall in terms of the number of sacks that uh, happen against him versus also um, – how long drives are, are sustained. There were some other stats in there that I can't remember off the top of the head, but, but Williams outshined um, so it feels just a little bit more. However, that's looking at the big picture. This is a looking at a more specific picture, which, which you hit right on the head, and I was actually going to go to that point too. I would actually like to have Sulafield because of that size and strength. You need somebody that can match size and strength, maybe not technique because we're talking about two of the most dominant defensive players out there especially when Sue plays like he's supposed to. So you need size and strength more so than anything else, and that's what uh, Williams actually lacks is the size and the strength. So Sue is a big dude. He is a big dude, and you need hat on a hat to be able to control that offensive line. Yeah, huge guy. So to have a hat on a hat and have a better chance of keeping that hat on a hat, I will go with Sue the field myself just for that reason alone. You need somebody that's going to be able to take up the same amount of size on your side of the ball as well as on that side of the ball, on the defensive side. So I agree with you. I would go with that same route too. Yeah, and I just saw the – it was actually Bleacher Report, Cowboys planning uh, Garrett extension. Um, and you know what, to be honest with you, uh, first of all, I agree with you. I, 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 don't, I don't know that it's either one is a bad choice, but when I look at matchups, um, I just think that size and strength is going to be handy. Um, but we'll see. We'll see what Williams' technique can do. Um, you know, he's got to grow up and, you know, get, get man strength. He's got 
he's got college kid strength, and he's got to grow up and get managed. Right. And I'm sure that'll happen over the next couple of years. I think they'll put him in a very serious off-season conditioning program to bulk him up a few pounds and really get him strong. Um, you know, if you think back to some of the Cowboy teams of the, of the past, you know, Mark Stefanowski, um, you know, was not a huge center, but he was a bad boy because of his quickness and his technique. And for his size, he was very strong. And so, you know, you, you don't always need the 320-pound lineman to get it done, and maybe Williams will, will prove that to us. Um, that said, when you look at these two 300-pound defensive tackles um, that could wreak havoc, I just like the idea of putting as much bulk in front of these guys as possible. But we'll see. Um, we, 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 well, we will see. I, I just yeah. – I, I certainly hope that they do. And here's the other thing that I just thought of, too, that we didn't touch on. If Williams can't control it one-on-one, they're going to need Zeke to help out or they're going to have to bring Jarwin over to help out, which obviously is going to now um, take away from another outlet that that can go to. So if you need Zeke to come in and chip, you need Jarwin to come in and chip, they may have to sustain that block a little longer just to keep Zach upright. Now you don't have the ability to drop it off to to Zach out or uh, to to Zeke out in the flat or uh, Jarwin out in the flat. So, that's even more reason why you need to make sure these one-on-one battles are won right there at the point of contact. Yeah, and, I mean, it's really not part of the Cowboys scheme to have these guys chip and tackles. Um, they do tend to will do it on defensive ends. It's not so. You're right. If they, had to, if they had to now incorporate that to help out Williams, then you're tying up something that, you know, you're tying up a player that you might need on a blitz. You might need him on a hot read. Um, so that is something to watch. Um, yeah, it, it looks like Garrett is going to get an extension. And, you know, I'll be the first one to say that at 3-5, and five, I was all over this team. I was pissed. Yeah, I think it was a Monday night game against Tennessee. I was pissed. Um, and it was a game that I feel like was – that was the game that I thought was going to be our coming out party, and we was going to turn it up from that point on. I was a week off, um, but I was pissed. And I know I came up on this show, and I, I laid into Coach Garrett. I laid into the Cowboys, and I was pissed. I was pissed three and five. Um, who knew that the Cowboys would win seven out of eight, win the division, and go ten and six? No one saw that coming at three and five. Nobody. If you did, you should go play Lotto because you got powers. You know, that song goes, I've got powers that are only mine. I can make a blind man walk a straight line, right? You've got crazy-ass fucking psychic powers if you saw that coming. Because I, I don't even the most delusional, optimistic Cowboys fan after that loss thought that the Cowboys were going to win seven out of eight, including beating the Saints, beating the Eagles twice, beating uh, Atlanta. Like, you know, no one saw that coming. So the fact that they did do that and now won a playoff game, I mean, you can't, you can't, listen, people, you can't have it both ways. I gave Garrett a hard time because the team was underperforming at three and five. I am now giving him the credit because the team is performing. And you can't say they're performing in spite of him. You know, you can't, you roasted him when the team didn't perform. If you roasted him when the team isn't winning playoff games, if you roasted him when for three years in a row, eight and eight, eight and eight, eight and eight, and we lost the last game of each of those seasons, I was there. JB was there. We were there. It was painful. Got it. If you roasted mm. him for those three years, then you've got to sit back and say, 
Nice job. You want to talk about clapping? You've got to applaud Jason Garrett rallying this team, team believing in themselves, play for him, and as Dak keeps saying, playing all season like their backs against the wall, the underdog role. We're, we're, you know, we're overachieving according. We know what we can do, but according to the media, we're overachieving. So keep telling us. See, that's the one thing I do like. So anyway, that ends my rant on Garrett. I'm happy to keep him as head coach at this point, um, extend him. I don't know that there's a coach out there that I'd want over him right now. Um, not even Mike Tomlin, the, the, the guy that we all love, because I don't like what's going on in Pittsburgh, and he's part of that problem. So unless Bill Collins yeah. is coming out of retirement or Bill Parcells is coming out of retirement or Jimmy Johnson is coming out of retirement, I don't see anybody. I don't even want Mike McCarthy. We saw his relationship with Aaron Rodgers get kind of sour there. I don't want any of those mm-hmm. guys that can't, that can't lead anymore. I want a guy that can lead. And these guys are playing for Jason Garrett. They are playing for each other. And so, hey, I'm good. I mean, and, and I'll let you jump in. Um, but Jerry Jones underneath his, for those of you, again, we're here to teach <laughs> as well. A lot of people don't know this, but Jerry Jones has wanted his Tom Landry. Right? Tom Landry coached 29 years. Jerry Jones has wanted his one coach that he can bring in and have a legacy. And he tried with Campo and Gailey. And Parcells wasn't really more of a guy that he was going to have for a long time. He was a guy brought in to write the ship. The team has been spiraling out of control, and he needed a heavyweight to come in here and write the ship. And even though um, as of Witten's retirement, other, oh, no, Lattisar was Parcells. He's the only one left under the, the long snapper. He's the only one left under the par. Everyone else under the Parcells umbrella is gone. But what he put in was mm-hmm. the attitude. He, he changed the culture, and losing is not okay. It's not. And he brought that culture to the Cowboys. So, so um, you know, we now have a coach that, you know, if you watch him, He's no joke. He's no joke. Like, you've got to really pay attention. You can't you, – you've got to just watch. I mean, the camera doesn't show us everything we want to see. But I watch when guys make mistakes and they go to the sideline and he calls them over and he's reading them the right at. You know, and then he'll tap them on the shoulder or whatever, you know. But he'll first get in their ass. And you, you read his lips. He'll say something like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> you know, like – it's just it's just the cameras they're not they're not glamorizing that i i hope nfl film does the the real jason Garrett video at some point where we can really see what he says on the sideline before the game and after the game and if you didn't see the cowboy thing on amazon prime that gives you people say that was bullshit because the cameras were there i believe that's who jason Garrett is watching six six episodes it's the 2017 season. Watch that, and that'll give you a better insight. I talked a lot again, so you, your thoughts on anything, JB? Uh, say that again, thoughts on, on, uh, on Garrett? Anything, because Garrett or anything, because I talked a lot. So, Well, <laughs> well, well let's, we'll stay, let's stay with Garrett. I think he deserves the extension with the job that he's done. I think he needs to give some of that extension money to Amari Cooper because he kind of saved his ass, too. But he has done a good job, and, and they, they, they play for him. They fight for him. I think when, when Hearn went down with the injury and he's holding his hand, 
we've seen that before with with Garrett with other players that go down. He he has the compassion um, of that team when when things don't go right. Everybody wants to tease him, hand clap and whatnot. And like you, I was on him hard too with that three and five spot. I was pissed off because the team is underperforming and they continue to underperform until Cooper got there and things started to turn around. I think also what I think a leader should be is no one to delegate. And he's giving more more um, leverage, if you will, towards Marinelli and Richard to let them take care of the defense. Obviously, since he's more of an offensive mind than a defensive mind, he's going to delegate to them. But coaches that don't meddle with the offensive corners, let them do their job, tend to have more success, in my opinion. And I think with that being said, he probably had a hand in Linehan trying to change the offense around when Cooper got there too because they needed to get a spark going. They needed to understand how to utilize this, this new weapon, this new asset. So I think he's in, in line for that extension, deservedly so. I, like you, I don't think there's anybody else out there that would be a better representative of the star and be able to coach this team more so than him. Um, now to broaden the coaching aspect out a little bit more, I'm sorry. Let, let, let's let's get to Arizona. I think this is a good time to get to Arizona. To to let go of a coach after his first year. With You've been chopping at the bit for this one, haven't you? I I really have because I, I'm going to let you I, go because I, I made you wait. So go ahead. I I really want to focus uh, on the big game, but you know what? You have been chopping at the bit for this one. So you know what? Where's my popcorn? I need some popcorn. And I'm going to sit back. I'm going to enjoy it and see. See, you don't know. I'm your biggest fan. You don't understand. I'm your biggest fan. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to sit back right now with my little popcorn, you know, and I'm going to listen to you go off about Arizona situation. The floor is yours, my brother. And, and I'm only going to go for a couple minutes because I, I do want to get back on the game, but I can't help to talk about coaches when we talk about Garrett, the transition to what's going on in Arizona. You let go of a guy that's 3-13 and 13 in his first season with a rookie quarterback, an aging veteran wide receiver, and a running back that's coming off of uh, having an injured uh, wrist and being out basically most of the year in the prior year. And, and then defensively, you've got Patrick Peterson and literally nobody else and you let him go, you have him as a scapegoat. I think that's the most ridiculous route to take in this day and age. Then to double down on it, you go and bring in Kingsbury, who was fired as a college coach, fired, 35 and 40. It's not like he didn't get along with anybody. The dude was, was a sub-500 football coach in, in college. Gets hired by USC as a coordinator, stays there two weeks, and now he can all of a sudden get a head coaching position because, like you had said before, early T, everybody's looking for that next McVay. Everybody's looking for that 35 to 40 year old offensive guru, the, the quarterback whisperer, if you will, to come in and turn the whole ship around. Do you folks not understand what it takes to be an NFL? It's not something that you just grab out of a, a Cracker Jack box and say, okay, we're going to. Blow this one off, he's going to be a new head coach, he's going to turn this whole thing around. No, you need a leader, a leader of men, not someone who is going to be this quote-unquote guru. Now, hey, no no disrespect to Kingsbury. He may come in and do a, a fantastic job, hats off to him if he can. But there's got to be other coaches out there, like the Eric Bieniemy, who was offensive coordinator uh, and still is now with, with the Chiefs. Now, granted, he's not a uh, – play caller per se, but obviously as an offensive coordinator, he has had a hand in the development of these players. I don't see him 
as a head coach. He's still offensive coordinator. Why is that? These are the kind of questions that continue to go through my mind on a regular basis because it's all I keep seeing. And, and, and I feel bad for Wolves. Maybe they did him a favor letting him go. Hopefully we'll see that down the road. But you've got other folks out here. They struggle and they struggle and they struggle and they keep their jobs. This guy is 3-13. and 13. You let him go. You don't have anybody that can seemingly come in there and, and, and help right the ship with him. Instead, you use him as a scapegoat and get rid of him. I just think that's, that's ludicrous. In this day and age, I understand the, the competition. I understand the pressure of having to win and win now. But if you have folks that you know you have a roster that doesn't have anybody on it, for crying out loud, I thought about flying out there myself and trying out as a wide out. Maybe I'd get the rock a little bit. Maybe I could be a backup quarterback if Rosen got hurt. Maybe I could do just as good a job. You, you, you have to figure out what's going on with the, the roster that you have and have that coach be able to coach to that roster, not just dump them after a 3-13 and season and that's it, call it a day. So for the Cardinals, my advice to you is this. If Kingsbury is your guy, you better stick with him, Danny. If he has a 3-13 and season, I'm not going to say let him go do the same thing to, to, to Wilkes that you've done to him. I'm going to say ride it out. Get as much as you can out of him, and even more so, get as much as you can out of that roster because you did looks a disservice. Don't let lightning strike twice. Get it right the second time since you absolutely crushed it and oh, messed it all up the first time around. And for the rest of the NFL, look for a head coach that knows how to lead men. Look for a head coach that knows how to coach football. Maybe you'll find some success that way. That's it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in a different direction, but I am gonna comment, um, and I agree with everything you said. So that's why you know as I crunch on my popcorn, um, you the man. But I'm gonna go in a little bit different direction. I'm gonna say this: Steve Wilkes, Todd Bowles, Marvin Lewis, three African American head coaches terminated. Um, I think Marvin Lewis was justified on the fence about bowls, but no real issue with that. Uh, Wilkes, definitely too soon. If you don't, it's a year. Um, but three African-American coaches terminated. Eight coaching vacancies. And as these positions are getting filled, no African-American head coaches. Um, you know, it's almost like society says, we gave you a black president. What more do you want? We gave you um, – starting black quarterbacks, what more do you want? We gave you some African-American head coaches, what more do you want? Um, I want people that earned an opportunity of any race to be given that opportunity. Not, and hey, I agree with you. I don't know what this guy's going to do in the NFL, but like I said earlier, everyone's looking for the next Sean McVeigh. You know, I don't, I, you know, so like you said, the enemy was, was a very, good example of a guy that's talented, um, you know, uh, uh, doing great things over in um, Kansas City, and we're not hearing his name anywhere as a potential head coaching candidate. Instead, you want to go and get a guy from college who was just fired after a 35 and 40 career. And there's an African-American offensive coordinator 
doing big things in Kansas City, and he's not getting a look. I don't get it. So, you know, every time we think we've made progress as minorities, look around and you'll see it's not what you think it is. That's all I'm going to say about that. Um, Coaching, I am hearing that uh, while Chris Richard, who is the um, defensive backs coach and defensive passing game coordinator um, and does the play calls for the defense, and for those of you who don't know, again, do you watch football or do you just watch, you know, Sports Center? Um, was the architect of and the coach of the Legion of Boom over in Seattle, um, and yes, was a head coaching candidate. I was saying yes, sir. Agreeing with you. Yep. Right. Um, and he was a head coaching candidate. Had a couple interviews. Um, the the rumor apparently is that Jerry Jones is is going to do anything he can to keep him, and that Rod Marinelli is all in on keeping him to the point where Marinelli, who will be seventy this year. Um, there are discussions for next season that maybe Richard steps up and becomes defensive coordinator, assistant head coach, and Marinelli retires and does kind of the Hudson Hawk to Colombo relationship, like kind of an advisor since it would be his first defensive coordinator role. You keep Marinelli for continuity and you keep him in as an advisor. Um, so that's the rumor mill that that may happen. And I think for Richard, Frankly, I think that's a better move for him, not because I'm a biased Cowboys fan and I don't want to lose him, but I think to go from a, you know, you know where you're not I, – I really think that offensive or defensive coordinator before your head coach is very important. And so I think for his success, I think it's a good move. I think he's going to make good money because Jerry Jones has been known to pay his top coordinators head coaching money. So he's going to make the money. So you don't got to worry about that. You might even make more as a defensive coordinator for Dallas than you would as a head coach in Arizona. Okay. Um, and you, you continue to work with something that you built, the players that you built. And selfishly, I will add that if Jason Garrett, you know, for whatever reason, shits the bed, we've got our next head coach. You know, if for some reason the Cowboys come out and start one and five next year or one and six or one and seven, you know, I, I go back to the Wade Phillips last year. Um, where I think we started one and seven, um, you know, if that happens and the team and Garrett loses the team, I, I'm not thinking any of this will happen, but we've got our next head coach in waiting. If not, we can at least keep him for another couple of years. And, and then if he needs to step off and go get a job somewhere else, understood. So I, I'm hoping he stays. I think a lot of that defense, uh, it's been a good defense under Marinelli over the years. But now it's an elite defense. And I think the difference between a good defense and an elite is Richard. His intensity, his schemes, you know, the guy is, is amazing. And I think, and let me tip my hat to Rod Marin, who has no ego in this at all. He's like, dude, I've been a head coach mm-hmm. in this league. I've done, you know, I've done it all. I don't, mm-hmm. my day is past. I have no problem. Like, he's the one who said, a place. I want your stamp all over this defense. In a game where ego runs everything, Antonio Brown. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> Don't get me yeah. me up. Good Lord, that whole thing beat me up. But to see selfish, selflessness like that on my team, I mean, you don't see that in the NFL. 
This guy is like, yeah, nah, nah, nah. It's your defense, bro. Take me along for the ride. You got this. Yeah, no, you're calling the plays. I want you to call him on my plays. <laughs> you know? He, he, I mean, dude, you know? Um, yeah, and, and also just one one other thing too. It looks like that Dolphins job is going to go to um, the Flores, the uh, is the linebackers coach for the Patriots. So it's a minority. So I'm I'm happy to see that. And 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 you're right. I didn't touch on the minority aspect of it. So I'm glad that you jumped on it. We killed two birds with one stone. So that worked out real nice. But it looks like he's going to be in line for the job, which is a relief because I'm biased. I, I obviously like Rashard to stay. So if everything points that direction, then then as a cowboy, we're we're good. I agree. I agree. Um, all right. You know, we've been on for almost an hour. I think we can start to wrap up. Um, you know, we could literally do this all day, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, you know, we can get – I didn't want to get too granular on matchups, too tough, just the key ones. And, you know, it's really about – I mean, for me, it's just about it's time. You know, I, I don't know what this team's going to look like next year. You know, I don't. I, 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 not, you know, I told Train this when we did our regular Tuesday night, 9 o'clock show, tune in. Um, I said, you know, oh, we've got a good team for a long time. Well, that's what Jacksonville thought. How'd that work out? You know, like, don't worry about the future. Live for today while you're in the playoffs and you're still alive. Okay, now the Bears are out. Okay, now you can talk all of that stuff that everyone talks when their team gets knocked out. Oh, we've got a bright future. Oh, we had a good season. I can't wait till next season. I don't want to have that conversation tomorrow. I don't want to be on the show Tuesday night talking about our, we have the youngest team in the NFL and we've got, I, I don't, because I don't know who's going to be here next year. You got a lot of people that Zeke wants to get extended. You got to pay Cooper. You got to pay Dak. You know, you've got um, DeMarcus Lawrence on a franchise tag. You know, I mean, you know, there are people that you need to pay and that's always a, a funny thing. Can we keep the core key players to be successful like the Patriots have done over the years or letting people go and making sure you're able to fill those gaps with the same level of players like the Patriots have been able to do. I don't know, but I don't want to talk about that tomorrow or Monday or Tuesday night on the show. I want to talk about the fact that we've got out defense. We've got an effective offense with the best running back in the NFL and an elite wide receiver and a quarterback with intangibles. He's a winner. He doesn't get flustered. He doesn't quit. You know, he throws an interception, comes right back, and he makes a play. He gets sacked, and he comes right back and makes a play. Third and 14, and he runs and gets the first down against Seattle. This guy is hungry to win, and he'll do anything he can, he can to win this game. I want to talk about that. I want to see that tonight. And you know what? If we go out, and I hear it's going to be raining in L.A., so um, we'll see how the weather holds up, but if we go out tonight and give it 100% and fight and fight and fight and lose, I'm going to be pissed. This isn't – I don't want more victories. We've had enough of those more victories. We said that two years ago when Dak was a rookie and Zeke was a rookie, and we fought back and we said, wow, we have a bright future ahead of us. And then the next year, Zeke gets suspended, and Tyron Smith is hurt, and Dan Bailey is hurt, and Sean Lee is hurt. And we go 9-7 and seven and miss the playoffs. So I don't want the moral victory of we fought and we lost 31-28 to 28 on their last second field goal. But, damn, we showed that we belong. I don't want to have that discussion. The 
into that stadium and win the fucking game. JB, what do you got to say? Kind of hard to follow up on that one, so I'm just going to end it with the same three words I said before when we finish the show off on Tuesday. Finish the fight. That's it. That's it. So, Cowboy Nation, you know, it's 11 o'clock. We've got about nine hours and 15 minutes to kick off. Uh, Jay, are you doing anything special for the game? you cooking anything special, eating anything special, going anywhere special? Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to break from my normal traditions of just being a homebody like I am. I'm going to go over to my boy Marcus. Shout out to him. Uh, he invited me to come over and watch the game with him and a couple of his friends. So I'm going to go over there with my cowboy T-shirt, my cowboy sweatshirt, and if it's cold enough, my cowboy scully, uh, just to let them know who my team is. So I'll be over there tonight. Okay. All right. Um, you cooking anything, bringing anything, or he's got it? He's got the spread all set up. Uh, he's got it all set up, so I'll probably bring a little little something to drink to drink, something to sip on, you know what I mean? A little, a little that with that. A little with that, all right. All right. Um, so I season a two-and-a-half-pound ribeye that I will be cooking on the soon. <laughs> yes, Stu Leonard's. Shout out to Stu Leonard's. Um, they got the best. I mean, their steaks rival meat market steaks. Seriously, it's Damn. amazing. That's why there's only like four of them in Connecticut. They're not. They're not a, a a chain. There's like a handful of them, but all their stuff, all their food and stuff is like farm fresh, and their their meat is phenomenal. I've had their meat, and I've had uh, Southside Market in Bristol. Their meats, and honestly, I think I like Stu Leonard steaks better. Southside's good. They're good, but I like. I think I like Stu Leonard steaks better now. Southside's ribs are better. Um, but Stu Leonard's ribs are no joke. So I bought two steaks, both of them about two and a half pounds. Um, one is seasoned, one is sitting in the fridge. Um, it's the backup just in case. And I bought two racks of ribs. One is seasoned and one is sitting in the fridge just in case because it's football all weekend. And today it's going to be steak and ribs, a little broccolini um, that I bought already made. All I got to do is heat it up because I don't know how to cook that shit, <laughs> you, you know. Italians, y'all cook that shit better than <laughs> brothers. We cook, we cook collard greens and okra. We don't cook broccolini. So um, uh, I brought that. And I have my Traeger wood grill. Um, so that's going to be and you know, last Saturday night because my boys, shout out to Major Motion, LG McKenzie, and, and the boys, my very good close friends. And I, I, they were playing, and the game was on. So I went to the bar, sat at the bar, watched the game, couldn't hear it, but I watched the entire game, and then I was able to hang with my boys after the game was off uh, about 11.30 or so. Um, Major Motion played last night. As you can tell by the pounding headache I had this morning, a little too much of that vodka. Um, so today <laughs> I went to the grocery store yesterday. I got everything I need. Um, I'm not going to drink tonight because at my age, I'm a little older than my brother here, uh, if I drink too much, I will fall asleep <laughs> unless I'm out moving around. If I'm sitting home drinking, I'll fall asleep. And it's happened before where I, I always record the Cowboy games because a couple of times I actually fell asleep because I had some I, – I actually do have one Sam Summer um, that my, my honey bunny Lena gave me a few weeks ago, um, and there was like three of them she had in her fridge. So I took them. I drink it, too. I got one left. I'm going to crack that open and tip off. That'll be my one drink for the night. And um, 
that's it. And I'm going to be sitting. I have my Dak jersey. Um, same Honey Bunny bought me that. And I've got um, – what else I got? Uh, I'll be wearing my cowboy lounging pants. And if it, it depends on the temperature in my house. I do have some cowboy socks. <laughs> I may wear my brand-new cowboy socks. Um, but I will be having my cowboy gear. And I'll be sitting in my living room with my 60-inch um, 4K and my Sony soundbar system, and I am excited as all get up about this game. I couldn't even, you know, and I know we, we said we were going to go, but, I, I, you know, I'm going to talk and move work with me. Um, this, for us true fans that live for this, like I was all week thinking about this game. Like this wasn't like, okay, now it's Saturday, I think about the game. Oh, no. Sunday was Victory Sunday, so you, you, you enjoy the victory. And then Monday it's like, okay, uh, as Bill Belichick said, on to, you know, uh, on to the Rams. And thank you, even though we were rooting for the Bears, in all honesty, this worked out better. I like our chances much better against the Rams this week than going to New Orleans playing the Saints. I think the Eagles are going to run into a buzzsaw tomorrow night. Um, my opinion, we'll see, but that's my opinion, I think. This one could be over by halftime. Um, but all week I've been excited about this game. I kept, you know, okay, it's four days away, it's five days away, it's three days away, it's two weeks away. And yesterday, like, it's 24 hours away. Okay, it, you know, got up this morning, okay, 12 hours to kick off. I just said it, nine hours to kick off. Like, for all of us who have been suffering, we are now here at the precipice again. And can you just imagine? Everybody listen carefully now. Just imagine we win this game. We're going to the NFC Championship game. Our first NFC Championship since the 95-96 season. And can you even imagine if the Saints lose and the Eagles can pull off an upset and the Foles magic, as everyone calls, continues? I mean, if Dallas wins tonight, I'm sorry, did I say if? When Dallas wins tonight, tomorrow I'm going to be the biggest Eagles fan out there because fly, Eagles, fly, baby, because – do you want to go to New Orleans or do you want to go home and, and invite the Eagles who you beat twice? You've beaten them twice. And for those of you who don't know history, in 2009, exactly what happened. We played them three times, and we beat them three times. 2009, look it up. And that game, I was sitting in Philly in a hotel for a Madden tournament watching the Cowboys with all these Eagles fans and a handful of Cowboys fans. And the feeling was euphoric. Can you imagine, one, we win the game tonight, we get to shut the haters up for another week? Can you imagine tomorrow night if the Eagles do pull an upset? I don't think it's going to happen. But imagine they do. Now they got to come to Dallas and we're hosting an NFC Championship game in Dallas a week from now? Gives me goosebumps just thinking about the possibilities. But all of it starts. All of it starts with a win tonight. JB, final, final thoughts. I know you said finish this fight. Anything else you want to add before we get on out of here? Um, you know what? Just, just one last thing. Um, Cowboys, you love them or you hate them. Get that. Obviously, two of us, we love them. There are going to be folks out there that hate them. But you know what? Either side of the fence, you still got to respect them. They bring the crowds. They bring the noise. They're worth what, $5 billion for a reason. So, whether the side you fence you fall on doesn't matter. Hopefully you fall on the side that we fall on, but still got to respect them. 
and uh, looking forward to the game this weekend. It's going to be great. All right. Well, go Cowboys, Cowboys Nation. Man Voice will be back Tuesday night, 9 o'clock, to talk about all four games. should be a great football weekend. Everybody enjoy the games. And uh, to quote my brother, Cowboys, tonight is the night. Finish this fight. Enjoy the game. We'll see you Tuesday night. Good night, everybody. Or wait a minute. It's not nighttime. Uh, Good morning, everybody. Thank you.